You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Yoga Magic Podcast, friends. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. We are in for such a treat today. Oh my gosh. We have the world-renowned teacher, author, and celebrity psychic Laura Day on the show. I'm a super fan of Laura's work, and I'm definitely not the only one. She has worked with major companies, huge celebrities. She's been on Oprah, and she, you know, each morning gets on Instagram and works with people, everyday people for free. She's really an amazing human being, and I'm so honored to have her on Yoga Magic. This is an episode, everyone, where you need to listen rather intently. Maybe even take notes, because there's such good information, and you'll want to put some of these into practice right away. Laura has so much information that it just comes out of her, and I really want you to be able to employ these practices right away. I'll make sure to pull out some great clips, put them on Instagram, but again, maybe take some notes. Do this as your your self-care time for the day. There is a practice that she brings up that weirdly has been coming up all over for me. It's clearly something that I need to be using right now, and that's that when we become upset or overwhelmed or angry with our circumstances in life, we can go back to a moment in time and look at how far we've come. We can rephrase the situation that we're in. And as Deepak Chopra has says, you know, everything is just an illusion. The only thing that's really real in this moment is you, your body, your perceptions, your visuals. The story that you're telling yourself, that I'm telling myself, is simply that it's just a story. And so much can be accomplished with being right here in the now, being mindful, being in your own body, in this time zone, in this day. And really, you know, how that that can be psychic protection, especially for those of us who are extremely empathic. Laura has so many examples and she says it so much better than me, but I'll give you an example how it's worked out for me in my own life. So this weekend I was stretched super thin with the kiddos. We were home all weekend. The baby was sick. I was feeling run down and just didn't employ my regular self-care practices. And when that happens, I tend to get a little like victim-y I like to blame things on my husband, which is not his fault. It was just circumstantial. But I got outside. I went for a walk and I looked around and I looked at where I was today. I thought about being in my own body. I did a quick scan of my body, what was happening. And I completely shifted that narrative. I felt so much better. So again, that's one really amazing example of like how being present and being in the now can change the game and how it can improve your intuition, your intuitive tools. And Laura is the expert on this for sure. So in this episode, we discuss Laura's really captivating life story and the struggles along the way to healing others, the work that she does now. 
her her perspective on how being a human is actually the work and that like that connection to spirit is sort of the break. It's as she calls it, the commercial break. We talk about intuition versus fear. We talk about specific practices for improving your intuitive gifts and proving those tools, making sure that you're tracking those. We talk about psychic protection, time warps, astral projection, remote viewing, mediumship, all these things. If you're like, what the heck is that? Make sure you're listening. Her story is so captivating as someone who is neurologically gifted, and she shares about being psychic and how Laura went down one path with her gifts, but sadly, the majority of her family members went down another. And so trigger warning, we do discuss completing suicide in this episode. If you enjoy this conversation, please check out Laura's book. I started reading The Circle first back you know, a couple of years ago, but I think you know, she suggests her book, Practical Intuition, or How to Rule the World from Your Couch might also be a great choice. Really, any of those are great places to start. If you're new here, friends, welcome, welcome. This show is all about self-care and self-discovery. I interview teachers from all over the world, from my closet here in Minnesota. <laughs> and I hope this show feels super approachable to those of you who are just you know, starting out on this spiritual path. If you love this content, make sure to hit subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast. And join the email newsletter. You can do that in the show notes. I've admittedly been just a little bit behind on getting normal emails out with this newborn, this newborn with my lovely newborn Stella, but that's coming back up. And I've got a bonus episode on Saturn returns, how to survive your Saturn return if you are a member of the newsletter. So that'll be just coming via email for anyone that's on the the newsletter list. So if you want to be a part of that, check out the show notes. You get a free Discover Your Self-Care Style mini course when you sign up. Thank you again, everybody, for being here. I'm so, so grateful. I've seen so many new faces, new ears coming our way. And if you are a Laura Day fan and you're making your way to Yoga Magic, I really appreciate you being here. Let's get to this amazing conversations with Laura. I was actually just editing an episode and I was hearing myself sound like the guest, even though I don't really sound like the guest, but you kind of mimic the person that you're talking to. And it made me think of you. It's me. It's mediumship. You actually become the person you're speaking to. And sometimes it actually gets in the way of being confrontational because you you are experiencing their information from their perspective. It's called mediumship. In couch, you'll see it. Okay. Okay. That's going to be, I'm going on vacation. That's top of my list now is to work on that. Your job then is to be mindful and mindfulness is not meditation. Mindfulness is not this. Mindfulness is what am I hearing, tasting, smelling, feeling, seeing, thinking, what are, what am I sensing? What's around me? Let me be completely in my own space. And then I'll react to whomever is, is there. And it's so helpful. And it actually creates that um, dynamic presence on air that you see in like great actors or great newscasters because they're separate. They can agree, they can be compassionate, but they're completely separate. Mm. Okay. And tough. Yeah, it is tough. Yeah. Okay. I want to back up because I want every listener out in the world to know who you are. Can you just share a little bit from your perspective, whatever, whatever comes in that you want to share about yourself? Okay, well, 
Um, my name is Laura Day, and I'm what I like to call a practicing intuitive, which is a polite word for a psychic. Um, secretly, I do a lot of healing. I'm from three generations of physicians. My great-grandfather's last words, and I kid you not, were take the scalpel. He was in the middle of a surgery in his age. Wow. So um, my, my father retired from medicine probably a few years later than he should have uh, at the age of 89. Wow. Um, so I um, I grew up uh, in a very abusive traumatic household. I have I have two siblings who have suicided in the last decade, a mother who suicided and was manic depressive, um, one sister who is really so damaged that every day is difficult. And I um, I had the great fortune, of being a neurological freak. And mm -hmm. my brain functions differently. I know this because as an intuitive, I started by people looking at my brain when I made an accurate or inaccurate prediction. So I know that my, my brain doesn't, doesn't function well in certain situations, like me memorizing the periodic tables <clears throat> or figuring out what's two blocks from my house. But very mobile in space and time. I did not start out. I never, uh, as a child, thought, oh, I want to grow up and be a psychic and a healer. Um, I wanted to be a writer. And I've written six books on intuition and just finished a YA and working on a memoir. But I, in my early 20s, when I was really, you know, I was really at a loss. I'd come out of when you, and I think many of you can relate, when you grow up in a traumatic environment, you don't know how the rest of the world works. Um, and so here I was, and I was very young, and I saw, and I was a math and science nerd. I went to a school called Stuyvesant in New York, which are for math and science nerds. <clears throat> and um, I saw something on TV about research that was being done on different modes of perception. And what they were describing, I thought everyone could do. What they were describing, the ability for someone to mention a place and you see the place in your mind's eye accurately, or to see things in the future, or to experience uh, someone else's pain, literally, not emotional pain, but uh, where is the patient having, you know, having spasms? Um, and they were speaking about this on this nerd channel that I was watching. And I called them up in that weird synchronistic way that we do when we're pretty ungrounded and don't have much to lose. And I said, I can do what you're talking about. So I, I came in and here I'm about 21 at this point. And they take one look at me. And at that point, I was a 90 pound girl with hair down to her butt I looked like a little Manson girl, you know, <laughs> blue pleated skirt. I do know. Skirt. <laughs> and, um, and they look at me very disappointed and they start pontificating and, or mansplaining. There's a word for it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they start mansplaining about what it is they're studying. And I also have an auditory processing problem. I have a very bad executive function. Um, and, um, and I said, you know what? Put a name in an envelope. And this is all in the first book, Practical Intuition. And, and they did. And I did a very precise 
very uh, accurate medical future personal evaluation of the person in the envelope. But I saw two people. So I did the same for the second person. And the the professor was baffled. The doctor was baffled. He, He said, well, I don't understand. I put my name in the envelope. I don't understand who this other person is. And then he said, oh, my God, my best friend has the same name I do. And I only put my first name in. So at that point, they organized a group and really from all over the the world to to basically test me. And, And it was wonderful because what could have been just a neurological disability Uh, Those of you who are neurodiverse in big ways, remember to look for your gifts. Um, What could have been, wow, she's just a crazy kid, you know, too bad. What could have been really awful ended up being something that gave me purpose. That's that's really how I how I uh, started. And I I did their tests, many of which were filmed on. And this is the early 80s on the condition that I'd be anonymous um, because it was certainly nothing I ever, I didn't want to be identified with my crazy. You know, I wanted to be like every other 20 odd year old and they televised one without my permission. So I had an instant following, but I also had an instant career. I was not into the quote unquote spirituality piece of intuition. I was really into how do we get information that helps us thrive? You know, how do I, as damaged as I am, get the information to to be who I want to be in the world? How do we even figure what it is I want to be in the world? So I really, I really enjoyed these brilliant people uh, testing me because I learned so much about myself and it gave it a framework that my brain was not able to put on it. And in a way, it was good fortune, the bloop, that all of a sudden it was public, as traumatic as that was for me, because at that point, I really picked who do I want to work with and who don't I want to work with. And I tended to work mostly with um, medical research, drug research, uh, business, finding lost children, you know, things Mm. that you could either be right or wrong because coming from a family with as much difficulty as my family has had, I really didn't want to cross the crazy line. And I always say to my students, the only difference between psychic and psychotic is that your information is right. So, and, and then, um, I was married at the time. I married at 20, a man I met when I was 16, got pregnant, divorced, all of a sudden really had to make a major living to pay for a divorce, live in New York, private school, which is how, again, synchronistically uh, at a play space called Play Space in New York, uh, an amazing um, book agent said, what are you doing? And I said, you know, I have this ability and now I'm in trouble. And I am trying to use it to get myself out of trouble. And she said, well, can I see the pages you're writing? And I'm like, I'm a doctor's daughter. You couldn't even read what I'm writing. (laughs) And and she insisted. And she said, this is a book. And literally a couple months later, it was. And a couple months after that, it was a New York Times bestseller. And even though 
the public part of it has always been very disturbing to me. And in the beginning, they put my face on every book. Actually, they still do. The Circle, I refused, but every other book I think has my face on it. Um, as disturbing as being public in that way with, with really my neurodiversity was, it ended up being wonderful because it gave me a community. And now that I'm older, I mean, this is all, you know, this is all 40 odd years ago, 30 years ago was my first book. Now that I'm older and I have a wonderful 30-year-old, successful, amazing son and a wonderful husband, um, and my life is very settled. I don't, there's not a lot more I would want, maybe a grandchild. Um, <laughs> but uh, now I really am enjoying. Again, as someone who comes from a family who most of whom have killed themselves, enjoying creating communities where every morning or almost every morning I go on live on Instagram and people who've never done readings before do readings for one another, provide guidance, provide healing, provide community, sometimes just provide witness. I mean, we underestimate witness. You know, you're, you're having a hard time. And I care. I want to hear about it. Uh, so I'm right now. I'm very into um, community building. And my this is I, you have to. I'm a New Yorker, so if you actually want to get a word in edgewise, I really think you should interrupt me. No, I want you to see, just keep going. Uh, You're channeling for sure. But, uh, but um, you know, intuition and and healing, and I'm going to explain what that is in a minute really saved my life. And in over 40 years of teaching, I have seen it turn homeless into home and centered and employed. I've I've seen it, I've seen this ability create real physical healing. I've seen this ability restructure floundering businesses, win legal battles. I, I it is something that I think if everybody doesn't even have to master, could have a little bit more awareness of because it is an innate ability. Each of our lives would be easier. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of the difficulty that we're seeing in our culture is A, because there's media so we can actually see it, but also because life is really difficult. People mm -hmm. need new jobs to be able to support children. Children get shot in schools. You know, we have this ideal of perfection, which is not perfect. I use the filter too. Um, you know, this idea of perfection that, that is so burdensome. And what intuition does is it takes it back to what are my gifts? Let me shine. What are my vulnerabilities? I am one with everything. I have the ability to get support from them. I don't have to be perfect. You know, actually, my vulnerability is a gift to someone else who can help me out. And it's such a lifesaver. So I, I'm creating intuitive and healing uh, communities. Before the pandemic, I was going all the, around the country on my dime. I donated everything to, to a homeless shelter or a women's shelter and doing healing events. And 800 people would show up and I would do a laying on of hands on every person and ask other healers in the community to join. And they were amazing and so healing personally 
for me. I think I sailed through the pandemic because for two years before it, I had been going all around the country and literally touching people who touched me back. And we complete a circuit that way. I'm going to define uh, healing and intuition, and then I'm going to turn it over to you and stop talking for a minute. Okay. Um, healing is is directed intention. So healing is when you focus on something, knowing the change that you want. It is a way that you reorganize matter. And there's a lot of research on healing. The wonderful thing about search engines now is you can see the research at huge universities on what we call psychic or faith healing, on the ability to focus your energy, whether it's on a body, a petri dish with a virus or a fungus in it, uh, on a dynamic in a room or in a company, that this, this focused intention is, is a very powerful ability we all have. And we see children use it. Child falls uh, in a playground and children come, they don't even touch. They come and they hold their hands over and they don't say, are you okay? Are you okay? They focus. That's healing. We are born knowing how to do it. And we forget for very important reasons, which hopefully we'll have time to go over later. Mm -hmm. Intuition is mobile attention. And all of you experience it, but most of you repress it. And we repress it because the mind's already a messy place and, and too much information floods us, especially where we don't have a file to categorize it in. Um, mobile attention means if you're worried about the market all of the sudden, perhaps research those indicators because your attention moves in time and space and even into other people. Once again, we now have the instruments to be able to see things like your brain, not a psychic's brain, any brain reacts to a photograph, a computer will randomly generate in the future. Doesn't it hasn't even picked it yet. So we can now see that actually Telling the future, precognition, is just a normal human function. Mm. And, and that's important because spirituality is a multi-billion dollar business. And it doesn't seem to have helped all that much in the world from what I can see. Whereas self-empowerment, community empowerment, self-responsibility, self-accountability, and really be a, being able to get what you need in the world, because we're in a world, you know, uh, plenty of time when you don't have a body to do all that other stuff, but you're in a world. And so you want your tools to make your world manageable. Content people are generous people. Generous people are our leaders, are our healers, are the people who are going to make life work. Mm -hmm. Can I have an amen? Uh, amen? I'm like, where can I go? So many amazing questions. Oh my gosh. You did such great research that I actually have some amazing questions here. I mean, you did good, really, good, really amazing. Like, how can we differentiate fear from intuition? And I think that's a really important question. Before we get to that, I'm, I'm curious. So you said it, you know, we're not there. We all 
we talk about spirituality, spirituality is very in vogue right now. Like this is, you know, everyone's an astrologer. And I say that as an astrologer and yet we're not turning these light switches on completely. And I, and I'm curious, you know, what in a day to day, and I know this is where your expertise lies. Can we do, what can we do to turn these on, to be more intuitive, to open up our gifts again? So I want to um, kind of give you a construct to work with. I call spirit the blob because if you're omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, you're not changing. Hmm. The blob is, is what everything is. This chair is part of the blob. I'm part of the blob. You're part of the blob. In the blob, we're one. And then the parts of this one, the parts of this one struggle and evolve that unchanging one of spirit, the blob, through our efforts, which, by the way, we discard so easily. Not lashing out, if you have an anger problem, you've just raised everybody's spiritual vibration. Mm, I love that. Yes. Um, refining your intellect, setting boundaries, enjoying sex. You have just raised everybody's spiritual vibration because we're the, the spirit's the blob. And I think that a lot of what we think of as spirituality should be the commercial break where we regress to the oneness in order to recharge. Because being a human being, having an ego, creating in the world, that's the spiritual work. That's the hard work. Whereas meditation is where you can return to the primordial breast and nourish and rest a little before going back to work. And I think that we've confused it. Spirituality is not the work. Being an effective human is the work. Spirituality is what we are already. And I love, like I never do, for example, a yoga class without, without setting an intention. Because in part, yes, I want a little recharge, merging with the blob, letting the ego go for a while, not working so hard. But it's my job as an incarnate being to be working. So I also want to be working on my intention. And that's what the circle really, uh, really is about. I think that also you have to be very suspicious of things that only work if they cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Spirituality has gotten more and more expensive. Mm -hmm. You used to be able to go to synagogue and put a dollar in. Now you do these big courses and they're thousands of dollars. And, you know, if someone, I always ask myself, if, if someone is so intuitive and if it's working, if their system is working so well for them, it doesn't mean they never have problems because the subconscious is subconscious. But why does one have to exploit others in order to thrive? There is a way to thrive it's more of an exchange. And so I think we are working on our ego. And that's what my next book is about. Not out yet, not sold yet, but but finished finally. Um, and I work, I work with people because the way I write a book 
my husband, because I have ADHD, always says, when you're changing your topic, you need to say new topic, new topic. <laughs> when I write a book, sometimes I write it from things I know, but certain books like this one and like The Circle just come through me. Mm-hmm. And then I have to test them out. And I've tested this book out for 10 years. Does this work? If they do this, will they get this result? How can I refine it? So, and what I do on in the morning on the lives is, is very giving in that I help people use their intuition and healing and very selfish in that they all help me use the things that come through me and tell me what works and what doesn't. Mm, you're the that research. Yeah. Yeah. They're my, they're my amazing research team. And they're an amazing, it's an amazing group of people because when you say, Hey, not only are we a community, but we're not dumbing this down to love and light. Community has jealousy. Community has, you know, arguments. Community has underdogs. Community has all the things that life has. But we are committed to working for one another. We're committed to working together. All of a sudden, the dynamic really changes. And all the crunchy bits become things we use to grow. And to grow, I mean, to become the person who can accomplish and create what you want. If what you want is is to be rich, it's a metaphor for something. Go for it. You know, if what you want is to be hot, it's a metaphor for something. Go for it. Um, you know, it it really it really is important for us to honor our drives. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we do a lot of judgy, judgy stuff. Like I feel like I can't even talk anymore because I was born in 1959. I mean, my my vernacular will definitely get me in trouble. You know, my son's <laughs> always say, You can't say that, Ma. <laughs> what and what I'm hearing you say is if we're honest with ourselves about what we want and truly what our hopes and our dreams are, we can accomplish that, but we're not always being honest. We're putting on some sort of show about, oh, I want this because society tells us that's what we should want, but maybe we want something else. Is that true? And it's honest. Well, yes, there are always what I call hidden agendas. But it's honest in the moment. What I wanted at 20 isn't what I want now. Sure, yeah. And a lot of people that I would not want to meet in a dark alley. I mean, we need to learn to forgive ourselves for the people we've been. I mean, that's part of, you know, that's part of growing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so fear and intuition. This question comes up a lot when I'm working with guests. And I don't, I get a lot of answers, but I feel like you're the you're the person who's going to nail it. For oh, us. So. oh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Most of your fears come from your beliefs and your experiences. One reason I have people read each other is that you don't see what you don't see. The same patterns, habits, and beliefs that hold you together also limit your perception about yourself, not about someone else who you don't know. Intuition will will hint and then will tell you something urgently, but it's intuition is actionable and it is not something 
that drones on over and over. Mm -hmm. So if you're worried you're always going to be alone, that's a psychiatric issue, not an intuitive one. You're not getting a hit. You're always going to be alone. It's part of your internal makeup that you need to challenge. Now, intuition can help you challenge that. But the person, for example, who always knew they were going to die in a fiery crash, guarantee they're not going to die in a fiery crash. Intuition doesn't work that way. Intuition says, I'm trying to, okay, here, I'm going to give you a real example in my life. Uh, I have three big fears in life, abandonment, cockroaches, and rats. Although I got stuck taking care of my son's pet rat. So now I love rats. So it's only abandonment <laughs> and cockroaches. I have no fear of flying. No fear of traveling. I travel all the time and always have. I, and I'm very cheap with airfares and almost never pay for them. Always points. But this is kind of before points. This is, I think, the 80s. It must be the 80s. Yes. So it's the middle of the night. I wake up. I think to myself, I don't want to go to Italy tomorrow. I paid for a ticket, cheap ticket, far enough in advance. And this is back when you still, there was no internet. You know, you still had to use a ticket agency and you know there were paper tickets i was like i can't I, i'm not going to italy tomorrow and I, I, it was it was so sure i didn't even question it and and there was a little voice in my head that did as it got closer to when i was supposed to leave uh say you're an idiot you're like throwing away all this money this is a non-refundable ticket i just really didn't feel like i could do it um, Rome Airport, the when I was going to land, had a terrorist attack. Mm. Came in, I would have been right there. Mm. So that's how intuition works. Intuition doesn't keep singing to you, you're going to be alone or you're going to die in a fiery crash. Intuition is immediate, it's actionable, and it's accurate. Mm -hmm. Can I brainstorm some with you and see if we're like on the same page? So as a parent, I think that's where it gets the hardest for me anyways, like so much fear. Right. And, and like you've been speaking of a fiery crash, like that's, that is top of the list is that my kids somehow get in a car accident, constant fear. That's now that you say that, that it's, that it just keeps coming back and coming back. Like that's so obvious yet intuitive hit. I have a baby. She's three months old. She can't communicate with me right now, but I know what she needs. When I look at her, it's neutral. It's this, it is what it is. And so I, there's times though, I feel like they get a little muddy. Is that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I'll bet with your three month old, by the way, I can't believe you're functioning so well with a three month old, but that's a whole other show. <laughs> with a three month old, I bet even when you're not looking at her, you know what she needs. Yeah. And, and the, what I encourage my students to do, because one of the things I don't like about all of the fringe practices is, you know, if you know a parent drinks, you pick the child up. You know, you like, if something's a fear, it may be an intellectual fear, like take care of it. We do need to make sure our children are safe. We need to make sure that they that they know to put on their seatbelts because sometimes parents can be super irresponsible other people's parents you know we there are things that they're normal things that actually um are important to cover and sometimes your intellect will remind you oh wait my 
my son is going to preschool and I haven't taught him about, you know, I am the boss of my own body, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, persistent fears are not intuitions. And I, I will give you an exception. Often people um, who have, uh, for example, sick children who are being misdiagnosed, doctors are learning to listen because the parent knows. Mm -hmm. Now, some of that's observation, some of that's intuition, Um, but it's different than those persistent worries. You know, um, I I posted on Instagram a quote from uh, Queen Elizabeth, and it was and I, I will butcher it, so I'm not, I'm going to just misquote it. But it is that, you know, when we love, we agree to grieve. And it is, it is, I have a 30-year-old and still, you know, I worry about everything. Now, when I'm not worried, but something comes through clearly, like, have you checked your oil in your car? When it's just data, no juice, no feeling, no charge, then I know it's intuitive. Yep. <laughs> and I think that that's really the difference. People use intuition and feeling interchangeably. They're opposite ends of the spectrum. You may feel something because something triggers you. You may feel something because you need skip breakfast. You may feel something because you're in that part of your cycle. You may feel mm-hmm. something because you had a bad dream that you don't remember. Intuition is data. Intuition is, ah, look at this. And then what am I going to do about it? It doesn't tend to turn into feeling like anxiety or grief the way that neurosis does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and if you are afraid about something, one of the really, really, and and I'm going to give you an exercise for children too. One of the really good things you can do is notice when in your life have you felt that way before? Mm. And it may not have been a similar situation. And even if your subconscious gives you something that so far back you couldn't possibly remember it, work it through then and comfort as the adult, the child then. You know, I mean, every once in a while when I'm upset, I don't know, because I overcook my pasta. I remind myself, I sleep on linen sheets. I live with with the love of my life. I can afford everything I need for the rest of my life. I have a refrigerator full of food. Nobody can hurt me. Like I am not that child anymore. And I sometimes turn to that child in a sense and say, hey, well done. Hmm. You know, you made good choices. It's okay. Because often those those cyclical neurotic patterns really are subconscious issues they're not they're not intuitive ones and actually it's very important as much as possible to address them in a very methodical practical organized disciplined grounded way because although energy is infinite your attention is not and you want your attention on your goal Certainly, you know, peripherally keeping everyone, including yourself, safe and on the right path as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, on the glories that life has to offer 
and the challenges that need to be addressed. And so the more that you can take the guck out of your experience, the more intuitive just organically you'll become. But more importantly, the more effective you will become in applying that intuition. Fear demands attention. It says, think about this. Oh my God, this could happen if you don't do something right away. Do something right away. Do some push-ups, organize your sock drawer, clean your kitchen. Like do literally physically engage yourself in the present. And then if there's something intuitively to be aware of, it'll come back very clearly without drama, without anxiety. And if there's not, you'll have a clean kitchen. This is so human. This is such a human response. It makes me feel so lucky to be human when you talk like this, you know, that we're just, when you share all your information, that we're just do something if you're feeling that anxiety. It is a tall order because we're not born with the information. I mean, that is the gift of intuition is that it gives you the information you need that you weren't born with and maybe not exposed to. And intuition has saved, literally saved my life. Mm -hmm. But, but I'm truly the only survivor of four children. It is a tall order to be human. And we know how to do it because we're human. Yeah. Yeah. And we're intuitive. And, and when you ask intuition a, an actionable question, not what is the meaning of life, which is what people love to do, but what's my next job that's going to give me the life I want? Intuition will find you. The information you need. You need to have targets. You need, you know, in, intuition is a lot like math. It's it is methodical. It's disciplined, even though it's incredibly nonlinear. Again, it's mobile attention. But we don't pose the questions as questions. And actually, in my very first book that I wrote on intuition, I made one error. I had people ask three questions, and then I took them through this whole process where they'd answer their own questions without knowing which question they were answering. And I do this every day on Instagram also. I should have asked them to, to make three goals because questions, questions deny the reality that doesn't matter what the prediction is. I can change most of that right now. Whereas goals engage intuition in a anxiety, more anxiety proven and productive way. Sorry to interrupt. No. So you're saying that if you would have asked them to put goals out there that they could, that would have been a little bit more challenging for them to differentiate? Not challenging. It would have been more productive. Oh. Everybody buys practical intuition. And all my lives, I always remind people, if you're doing practical intuition, change three questions to three goals. Yes. Okay. So then that's a, that leads me to our next question as far as the science. I mean, you said the math, they're the science and the math, we'll put them together of predicting the future. Like what does, what is that? How do we do that? Well, I mean, the science isn't how we do it. The science has just demonstrated that we do do it. And okay. you know, as much as people like to say, oh, it's a mystical art. It's not. Harvard has a program, Duke had a program, Stanford had a program, uh, Mamamadi's Medical Center had a program on sleep telepathy in the 50s. There's a lot of science, a lot of research, and a lot of verification. 
on the fact that we do predict the future. And a lot of times we react to the future in the present and get into what I call time warps, where instead of dealing with what you need to deal with, you're dealing with something you don't need to deal with for 10 years. So it is important, just like we train our intellect and train uh, emotion, it's really important to train intuition because intuition can get you in a lot of trouble. Intuition can help you find the next abusive relationship as well as it can help you find the next good one. It's how you target. You need you need to train it. So so the how we use our intuition, and of course, I've written six books on the topic. It's not uh, the the fine points. Uh, are 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 not complex but require practice but some quickies mm-hmm. uh because you you're all doing this all the time and of course and I want to you're gonna have to remind me because of my ADHD that I want to give pointers but I want to give some examples of how you're all doing this all all the time you panic and you find out at the exact time you panicked your kid was taking a French test that he didn't study for um mm-hmm. You you pick up the phone without even thinking. You say hi, Joan, and it's Joan mm-hmm. without caller ID. You walk you walk into a meeting, and you get a cramp, and then you find out that the person that was sitting right across from you, with whom you made eye contact, has IBS and was having an attack. Like there's so many ways we we are one, even kind of when we shouldn't be. Um, intuition is always, always functional. However, as many of you who use the web know, getting information is not always helpful. What is helpful? And this is the way to, and this is in the circle, the way to engage your intuition in a productive way is first of all, what are your targets? What are your goals? And I don't mean make a list of 20 things because your brain's messy enough as it is. In the circle, I ask people to pick one goal. What's your primary goal? It doesn't mean if you pick, I have a wonderful new job that compensates me and that I adore going to. It doesn't mean you don't care about your family or you love life. You're picking a door to open through which you will create your entire life. But we don't do that. We tend to live through our fears. I hope this doesn't happen. Oh my God, I hope I can do this. You know, pick a goal. And especially reaffirm that goal in your head before you go to sleep. Because during the day, intuition's a survival skill. During the day, all of your intuitive umbrella, remote viewing, precognition, uh, mediumship, astral projection, all of that, uh, telepathy, all of that is geared toward your basic survival. You know, it's it's kind of mishmashed into the cake mix. But when you're asleep, most of us are fortunate enough, most of us, not all of us, are fortunate enough to sleep where we're safe. Mm. And so what happens if you can write down what it is you want to create before you go to sleep is that as you sleep, your intuition works on this. Perhaps has a dialogue with someone you haven't even met who can help you because your intuition has a target now. Um, perhaps you argue out something and the person apologizes the next day out of the blue. So sleep is a great time. Once again, pick one thing. It doesn't have to be the same thing every night, but work on something for a few nights. Pick one thing. Results don't always happen right away. One of the most important things 
that you can do is to document what your target is and then document what kind of happens out of left field yes over the next few weeks because yeah. mm-hmm. you know you may you may your target may be i want to feel happy and the next day on the subway you sit next to somebody who is taking a new medication that you ask your doctor about that ends up working for you. Mm. Your medication stopped working. Um, And, you know, people don't like when a healer or an intuitive talks about things like psych meds or antibiotics or inoculation. Nobody uninoculated is welcome in my house. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I get a lot of hate mail around that. But, you know, I look at the studies. You don't throw out, you don't throw out the data in favor of a feeling, Um, but document your information because what that does is it says to your subconscious, even if some of this information you'd rather repress, even if some of it's a little scary, once it's conscious, you can do something about it and it's correct. Because, and, and this I say over and over again, if you watch any interview with me, I have said this, Positive thinking is a good way to get yourself in trouble because if a bullet's coming at you and you don't do something, saying it's not going to hit me is not going to make it go away. Negative thinking, tunnel vision, you only see the problems. All the opportunities are here, also very dangerous. Empowered, realistic thinking, which is, you know, I have these issues right now and they're, they feel overwhelming heartbreaking, um, insurmountable. And I am going to put one foot in front of the other until I resolve them. And I'll tell you something, working with people, and I work with tens of thousands of people, the things that people overcome and turn into pluses in their Mm -hmm. lives and into successes make me feel like I've done this much in my life. I mean, the courage and resilience of the human spirit is is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. So have targets, document when you choose a target, not what you expect to happen, what comes out of left field. Your target uh, is uh, I want to heal with this friend. Maybe the friend doesn't call you in the next few weeks, the friend who hasn't spoken to you in three years. Maybe what happens is you end up at the same concert and you bump into each other. Mm. And then, wow, two weeks later, the, the uh, I don't know, juicer you both share gets in touch. You know, it's very nonlinear, but document it because what you'll see is you create reality, not in that quick, quick way of, you know, blink three times, click your heels three times and you're in Kansas, but you create reality. And sometimes it takes some work and some patience. And I hate the patience part, but you do create reality. And, and even though we can look around, we can all look around and say, oh, you know, that's not fair. I wish I had that. I mean, I look at people with living siblings and it just for a moment, it breaks my heart. Mm. 
And then I know that that my loss really motivated me to create this amazing community of literally tens of thousands of people who are family. I walked into a restaurant in Paris and someone who is in my training, in my boot camp, who I've never met because it's online, who comes on my morning lives, was in the same restaurant <laughs> and recognized me. And we hugged and we shared wine. And I mean, it, it, you you can, I, I will say one of the upsides of not having much family is you need it in the world. And you've, you, I'm not saying find the silver lining. I'm saying, you know, what is, is. So what do you want? Go for what you want. And I'm not saying don't take, don't take poor me breaks. I mean, pity party for one. Uh, Rumor Glenn Willis uh, was the first person who coined that term. And I've kept it. She was a teen. She's got such a way with words. She said, oh, pity party for one. And I thought, you little brat. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, you're allowed a pity party for one, but do it 10 minutes a day because it's not healthy. Yes, yes. Oh, like a worry hour. Yes. Okay. Did we get the pointers? Cause I want to make sure to, to remind you, do we get those all in? Yes. Pick a target. Yep. I mean, I want to do psychic self-defense. Yes. Your targets and then allow yourself to experience them. And I don't mean, this is all in the circle. I don't mean imagine them. You can only imagine what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. That's not intuitive. I mean, if my target is I live in Turkey and I'm sitting in my living room in New York. First, I'm mindful because we should be mindful as much as possible, right? We should be present because our power is in our present and our presence. But then allow the experience. Allow. Don't create. Allow the experience mm-hmm. of living in Turkey. Mm-hmm. I don't want Turkey, by the way. Wouldn't mind some Turkish food. But allow the experience. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm smelling some kind of meat with spices. And um, all of a sudden, I'm noticing colors in my house that would be in a Turkish living room. And don't look for them. Just add it to your mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Allow. Allow the experience. And what does that do? And, of course, we need hours to go over this. This is the reason I write books. (laughs) Is it shifts your telepathy. And it shifts your attention. because the intuitive information you get is dependent on two things. One, what where your attention is targeted. So where what your goals or questions are, or neuroses, which is not a good place. And two, what your subconscious will allow. Repression is a good thing. You know, we don't want to know everything. We want to know what's useful and actionable. Otherwise, we would be incapacitated. However, one of the things that techniques like the circle, intuition, healing community allows us to experience is, oh, subconscious, you can let me see this problem in my environment or in this problem in myself because I have resources that I have now proven to you subconscious, because you're always in dialogue with your subconscious, that I have documented actually work. And when when you prove to yourself, not reassure yourself, prove to yourself 
that you have effective tools, Mm -hmm. your subconscious will allow your intuition to be more conscious. Okay. Let's talk about psychic protection because this was my, one of the biggest takeaways from some of your work was that we can be infiltrated by so many things and how we are, are. how do we protect ourselves? Okay. So first of all, um, I'm going to change the vernacular um, because it's not protect ourselves. You are one with everything. There is no protection from that unity. And actually you want to use that unity adaptively, which is probably another show, but there's a quick, and I'd like to do this with all of you now. Don't, don't go Zen. Don't close your eyes. Don't take a deep breath. I'm going to take you through psychic self-defense, which is how to be fully as fully mindful as you can be without having other people and other things and other time zones in you. So I'm going to take you through it really quickly. Um, It is so important to engage your intuitive skills and your life skills mindfully in being present, not being Zen and out of body. Okay. Whenever my students close their eyes and take a deep breath, I'm like wrong class. No, 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 no. (laughs) Creating in the now here. I mean, yeah, there are times I do close my eyes and take a deep breath in a meditation class, but not, but that's, that's the commercial break from life. That's not life. So I'm going to take you through real quick psychic self-defense. I'm going to tell you which intuitive skill and portal you are you are filtering as i do it i'm going to start with telepathy i want you all to notice all the conversations that are going on in your head right now with everybody with me with your dead father with your ex with your child with your husband with your housekeeper all those conversations make some choices what does that look like once again target What's a conversation you want to be having? You want to fall in love? You don't have a partner? Your conversation, let's say, and and you can pick anything that will build something in your life. Your productive conversation is with the person who you will create a real bond with. So, So every time you have unproductive conversations, and it takes discipline, shift to a conversation you want to have. I have a space for you in my life. I want to love you. I want to be loved. Where are you? I'm here. You know, like, and 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 listen, because telepathy is back and forth. Listen for the answer. It might say, I'm in the coffee shop. Put on your sneakers. Go out now. Some of the, converse, the telepathic conversations you're having, you may just need to shift what you're saying. Maybe they are important people and you do want to resolve. So instead of having the loop, try Try telepathically sending something different and see if you get a different response, not just in your head, but in a phone call that you get for them. But but being, being the master of the conversations in your head is very important. And that is psychic self-defense because you're having a lot of very destructive conversations yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Remote viewing. And astral projection. And astral projection is just one step more energy than remote viewing. Remote viewing is is kind of experiencing a remote location. Astral projection is actually having more of your physicality in a remote location. During this podcast, where have you been? 
in your dirty kitchen that you need to clean at your child's school, uh, uh, in your car where you lost an earring yesterday. You've been so many places, but the place you should be, unless you need to go somewhere for information, is wherever you are. There's a great, I never read this book, but I always love the title, Be Here Now, Be Now Here. So the more that you can use your mindfulness, your experience of your senses, sometimes it's as simple as just like giving yourself a little rub, looking around the room, smelling what's there with you, um, my enjoying looking at this young woman interviewing me, you know, (laughs) being present, that allows you to not be infiltrated by being in a lot of different places because you're here. And if you're in you, then not a lot of other stuff can be in you. You're filling your own space and using your own tools. Mediumship, it's a misnomer. Mediumship is not talking to dead people. Mediumship is experiencing something or someone as that thing. So you could all be a medium with that glass. You are this glass. When you are that glass, wow, your lower back may feel different because your lower back may be the bottom of the glass. What does it feel like to be you? What 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 is required for that to get other people out of your body? And by the way, that's why things like anxiety, depression, rage, or communicable diseases. Once again, it takes mindfulness. It takes tasting what you're tasting, smelling what you're smelling, maybe taking a deep breath, filling your body with you, maybe giving yourself a little squeeziola, but really, again, being mindful, being yourself, and also noticing habitually who's in you. You're sad. Who does that feel like? And then sometimes you can pick up a phone, and I wouldn't call someone and say you're sad, that's intrusive, but pick up the phone and say, Hi, James. And James like, oh my God, I'm so happy you called. I was just having a really down moment. Once again, where you can verify, verify. So be mindful in your own body. Time warps. We spend a heck of a lot of time in the past, in the possible future, in the non-local, you know, the, the being in another place or in another person. We spend not so much time in this moment, right now, we spend a lot of time in this moment worrying about the future, ruminating about the past. It is so important for you to be in this moment now. If you're worried about something, don't go to it. Don't move away from this moment. Do something to solve it mm-hmm. in this moment mm-hmm. now. If something has hurt you in the past, Ask yourself what will make it better for you in this moment now and do it. Live in this moment. And that, again, takes, these things take a lot of discipline. You know, one of my problems with self-help is it's all like relax. I mean, I'm an anxiety type. You tell me to relax. I'm like, what's that? Relax? (laughs) Like, how much volume do you have? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's, these, these are things you should be proud of yourself for doing. And also notice the people that shift you out of self. Notice when you wake up. When I wake up, I say, who am I talking to? Who's in my body? Where am I? And 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 what time zone am I in? And, and some of that is information. Oh, wow, I'm processing this right now. 
I'm going to give myself a little, a little time to do it. I remember that time in my life and this is what I needed and I can give that to myself right now. Or sometimes it does alert me, oh, this friend I haven't thought of in two years needs me, you know, and I call and they've just gotten a diagnosis, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened to me the other day. Um, a, a woman that someone introduced me to through another woman who lives in another country, but I had her on WhatsApp. I woke up. I don't even think I woke up. That's not true. I was in my apartment in Italy and I and I just thought of her. And so I, I had to scroll down because I couldn't even remember her name. I had to scroll down all those WhatsApp conversations. I've got to figure out something for people with weird brains. And I texted her and I said, you popped into my mind. And I just felt so positive about the outcome of what you're going through. I mean, that's a good message you get from intuitives. And she had just been diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. um, with uh, with um, triple negative breast cancer. and. And I mean, we hadn't connected. I don't even, I've never even met this person. And we connected and we formed this wonderful bond. And this is a brilliant woman who I'm going to be, who I'm so happy I'm forming a friendship with. And, but that wasn't an intuitive hit where I, where someone came to mind and I verified it. I checked it out. I thought, no, I'm going to reach out. I mean, what's the downside? Mm-hmm. And by the way, if intuition tells you to like, jump off a bridge or leave your husband, maybe you want to take a pause, talk to a therapist, check it out. But if intuition tells you that broccoli is going to give you a stomach ache, order the zucchini, what's the downside? Yeah. Yeah. It's important not to throw out intellect. So those are all those are all psychic self-defense techniques. I don't like techniques that are like put a gold bubble around you. Mm-hmm. Really all you're doing is separating you, the individual, from you, the collective. And, and it doesn't really work. Filling you with you is what works. And kicking out squatters, that's what works. And, and the reality is when, and, and every morning on Instagram, I remind my students, suspend the illusion of separateness, not because you're separate if you think you're separate, you're never separate, but suspend the illusion because then you can say, oh, wait, I'm one with everything and I need this to happen for me right now. So I'm going to assign the other parts of my oneness. I'm going to assign these other beings, some of many of whom I don't know, to do this for me. I always say, give the oneness, give the blob tasks, give the oneness tasks. And it is, it is so interesting. I was worried about something about um, this new book I'm doing the other day. And out of the blue, in a couple days, I got a query email from an editor, another email from a book package. I mean, it's like all of these, just out of the blue. That's how intuition works. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you make a wish and the first thing that happens is everything around that wish goes wrong, it means you're on the right track. Because if there weren't obstacles, you'd have it. So you deal with the obstacles. The obstacles aren't a sign. And I love how people pick out signs. You know, I I cracked a mirror. It's a sign that everything's going to go wrong. Oh, you just got a new job that pays three times your last job. 
a wonderful new partner, uh, a clean bill of health, um, uh, you know, your driver's license and you're feeling great. And that's not a sign. Like none of those are a sign. The mirror is a sign. You know, everything's a sign. We create reality and we're part of reality. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to give things, assign things power to heal and not to harm. Mm-hmm. I do ritual. I've gotten a little funkier in my old age. When I was younger, I was really, because I work mostly with companies. My day job is I predict the future for large companies. And I've had the same companies for you know 10 years, 30 years. I don't take new companies. So, so because I work for publicly traded companies, traditionally, um, especially when I had a kid to put through private school and you know mortgage payments to pay, I was very careful not to do anything esoteric. Now, I let my freak flag fly. And in the morning, we, do, we often do ritual. Like when everything's all over the place, you want to give it some order and ritual gives order. But, and one of the things that I always remind people is ritual has the power you give it. It has no power of its own. I don't care if you're killing a chicken in the moonlight, dancing with your friends and chanting ancient chants has no power unless you give it power. Mm. And so before we begin a ritual, my little addition of freakiness, before we begin a ritual, I say, let's let us together decide right now. Let's let us commit to give this ritual the power to whatever it is we want the ritual to do. And it's, it is amazing. And often you have to repeat rituals because you repeat habits. Why wouldn't you repeat rituals? A ritual, and this is in the circle, a ritual is a way of training yourself to a productive habit. And a ritual can be simple. You can be saying, I want a new job. So instead of walking to work the ugly, quick way, I'm going to walk past all the beautiful things and leave five minutes early. Because I want a job that just gives me beauty. And just that ritual repeated for a week or two, all of a sudden, once again, notice what comes out of left field. But prove your tools. The difference between a belief and a tool is a belief you believe in whether or not it works. Intuition, healing, these are tools. And so you, you, it's really important to prove them. It's really important to document what you do and what the results are. And also sometimes it's helpful to ask people, don't tell them what your goal was, but say, you know, I'm having trouble seeing because we don't see what we don't see. How have things changed for me in the last month? Because often it's your super or your best friend or your partner who will say, uh, you were worried about that, um, that uh, those spider veins on your face and they've totally gone away. And then you think, oh, wow, I didn't even remember worrying about that. Because one thing about human nature is once you solve a problem, you find another one to solve. Right. (laughs) That's so true. Oh, my gosh, Laura. I like I could hear you talk all day and I cannot wait for people to again. I would love that. Oh, my gosh, please. There's so many topics we could discuss. And I want my listeners to 
grab your books and hop on those Instagrams because they're so, so cool. And I started with the circle. I would you do you think that's the best one for people to start with? It depends what people are looking for. The circle is wonderful in that without knowing anything about intuition, it helps you engage intuition to create what you want in your life. Mm-hmm. And it really is, it's not a book you can read and it'll work. It's a book that you really, it's nine elements, nine gifts, and it's something that you kind of have to do pretty regularly. So that at least for two weeks in order to create, you know, a new little groove is created in your brain after two weeks and replaces old patterns. Mm-hmm. If, if what you're primarily interested in is I want to, I want to know intuition works and I want to be able to prove it to myself then I would do How to Rule the World from Your Couch because it takes apart the different intuitive abilities like telepathy, precognition, information gathering, remote viewing, shows you how to do it, shows you how to verify it, and shows you how to defend yourself from all of that information coming in. If you're interested really in becoming an intuitive, and and you know, intuition is very mainstream now, if you're interested in becoming an intuitive, I would I always start with a circle, but I would start with practical intuition. Not my best written book. I was like 33 years old in nursing, but <laughs> the exercises and the, the format for doing a reading and engaging intuition are very, very effective. And if you want to do it all for free, Laura Day Intuit. I, I have a website, lauraday.com. But if you want to do it all for free, Laura Day Intuit, every day we exchange readings. And mm-hmm. actually, the professional intuitives that I train, because I send anyone who wants a reading from me, I send to somebody I've trained. And um, they, part of the way I see that they're still reading well is they read on that site. So you, on our, on our Instagrams, on our lives. So you get a lot of free information. Caveat is, there's a little video in stories that shows you how to do it and you have to read too. Thank you so much, Laura. I'm so, I just am so moved by all the cool things that you're doing. And this is such a treat to, to learn from you. So thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today, everyone. Thank you to Laura for being so amazing, for sharing such awesome insights. If you are new here, make sure to hit subscribe, hop on our newsletter and follow us at Yoga Magic Podcast. We'll see you next week.